you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. Thank you for joining me. Um, you know, about, I want to say, seven or eight years ago, as a music journalist, I went and covered my very first rock and roll fantasy camp. And you probably know what that is by now because it's become a very famous institution. And I went to this little studio, little rehearsal space in, uh, I think it was in North Hollywood, and spent a couple of days there. And it was incredible. Uh, Paul Stanley was one of the counselors, kind of the lead counselor. Lita Ford was there and a host of other, you know, really interesting um, rock and roll personalities you know, giving lessons and kind of forming bands and helping people that, that love rock and roll that wanted to be there kind of form a band. And then ultimately, a couple of days later, we all wound up at the Playboy Mansion, which was the uh, the sort of signature space where everybody got up to perform after this great sort of dinner party and everything. And it was a really memorable night. And throughout the entire experience, uh, whether it was at the studio or at the mansion, David Fishoff, who created the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, was one of the most visible presences. He was just so enthusiastic and passionate, sort of one part fan, one part host. Uh, he, he just, his energy lifted every room he walked into. And David and I became friends back then. And I have had the pleasure of attending a bunch of camps over the years. And David uh, has put together a new film called Rock Camp, the movie. This whole thing has become a film now. So I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about the camp. And David, thank you for joining me. It's good to uh, be with you again. Oh, Chris, it's so good to be with you. And I, I love the top of the hour when, and the description of your show. And, you know, you, you, you talk about life changing because to me, that's what rock and roll fantasy camp is about. For many people, it's about, oh, I get to jam with a big rock star. For me, it's a process where I put people through and they go through a life changing experience. That's, you know, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you about a couple of moments in your life in just a bit, but, but you get very involved at the camp. I mean, you're, you're in people's faces, you're with the artists, the artists clearly love you or they wouldn't be there. Um, and you're really all about making these connections with people and seeing that people are able to experience things. And I, well, we're going to talk about a couple. I, I witnessed a couple of things at, at several of the camps that were life-changing for me. One in particular, it's a story I tell all the time. I'll share it later in the hour. Um, but, but I think that's really part of your gift and art within the spectrum of the fantasy camp is making these dreams come true and really making these connections so that people, they, they leave. Do, do you find that a lot of the campers leave the camp different than they came into it? They all leave different. And, you know, while we did this film and I give the credit to Doug Blush and Jeff Rowe, Blush, you know, he produced um, 20 Feet from Stardom. Um, you know, I wanted to, when they came to me, they said they wanted to do a documentary film. My whole concept was you got to show how the process of this camp changes people's lives. And they all, so we could have done, we could have done a thousand stories of the people that came. They all eventually change. And I think you'll see in the film that not only do they change, but the rock stars get a great experience out of this. 
You know, that's what I, as a journalist, when I would, when I would interview the musicians at camp or afterwards, things like that, that's the other part that really struck me was the musicians you might've thought may have come in jaded or just doing it because it was a gig, but most of them, it seemed really were affected by what they did. And it almost reminded them, I think, of what it was like to be starting out again. That was something a lot of them would play back to me is it just gave them that sense of here were people with kind of, you know, a dream in their eyes. And these guys remembered and women remembered what it was like when they were starting out. And it sort of brought them full circle back to when they first got imbued with this sense of what they wanted to do. So, and you're saying it correctly, but let's say you're in a high school band, you're in a college band, and now you have an aspiration to take that to the next level. And you have a choice in life. And these people had a choice in life. They either go get, go get a real job or become a musician. <laughs> and the ones who the campers, the, the, the rock stars who were there, they took that road where they're going to go for their dream. And these other people had to go, you know, take a real job. You know, it's um, I'm working on my third book now. And and I, I, the title is going to be, hey, mom, I could have been a rock star, but you maybe go to Harvard. You know, so, you know, because all these people, that's that's my clientele or people who've never played an instrument and they get a guitar at 40 years old or 50 years old and they want to be in a band. So, yes, it's 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 really a, a, an opportunity for people to go through um, this life-changing experience because by playing with musicians that are better than you, they're going to lift you up as a better musician. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the other sort of counterpart to rock and roll fantasy camp are the sports fantasy camps that have been around for a while as well. And I think what's a very distinctive difference between yours is that you get really good players coming. You get really solid players. The baseball camp, I think it's a little bit more about sort of rubbing up against, you know, rubbing elbows with legends and things, but, you know, being on the field, I mean, the skill set is not, I don't think it's really equivalent to what the musicians come in with. Cause again, I've seen players there from kids who are 13 years old, to guys who are 70 years old who can play their asses off. So Chris, I was a sports agent. I started my career as a sports agent. I represented Lou Pinella, Phil Sims, Vince Ferragamo. I mean, Hacksaw Reynolds, I, I, Randy, I mean, the list goes on. I had 30 athletes over my career and I did um, a baseball camp. Lou Pinella, Lou Pinella and I did a, a baseball camp, a few of them over the years when we started, I was, when I was a kid. The difference between rock and roll fantasy camp and a sports camp is these sports fantasy camps you know, the, the people who, the, the athletes who go, they're basically over 35, 40, and they can't, and, and we all know, I can't be a, a professional athlete, but the musicians who come to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp are still selling out arenas, they're oh, yeah. still writing hit songs, um, they're still touring, but they, and, and what I love about it is that you can live that dream at, Ringo Starr is still touring at 80, Mick Jagger's touring at 80. You can write a hit song. You, you know, the music, music. you can do at any age. Yeah. And uh, you can be in a tribute band. You can play a bar mitzvah. You can become a professional musician. So it's night and day different. I remember um, one of the camps, speaking of sort of bands being at the top of their game and taking part of the fantasy camp, when you had Def Leppard there and we were all in Las Vegas and they were doing a residency at the Hard Rock and they came over, they came and did a camp while they were doing the residency. So they were, they were very much in the moment of you know huge performances and yet they made time for the camp and people you know went crazy it was the whole band that came over i believe the whole you know and, and their manager mike is uh, kobayashi you yeah, know he, great guy. he's a 
great guy, Mike. And and Mike, um, you know, I went to Mike and I asked if he would, you know, get the band. And they were enthusiastic about it. And I remember that um, there was even an issue because I was associated with the um, MGM property and they were at Hard Rock. And they just said, we want to do this camp. We don't care mm -hmm. about this political stuff. And the, my greatest experience at that camp was, um, you know, the bands, they all want to do Def Leppard songs. Naturally, you know, the guys who were there all throughout the, the, the weekend. And I went to this one band. I said, you know, Joe Elliott is coming to camp. And I know that he loves Mata Hoople. So you guys got to do a Mata Hoople song. And I, and I had the honor of touring with Ian Hunter um, from the band, you know, with my Ringo tour years. And so I, I said to this band, go play these, you know, grab them about the Hoople song. And then when I bring Joe around to the rooms, you know, everyone's gonna ask for a Def Leppard song. But when you turn to him and, and he asks, okay guys, what song do you guys want to do together? Pick the about the Hoople song. So Joe did, he, his eyes lit up. He lit up and he sang the song with them and it was, he was so into it. And then I walked into his car afterwards and he said, David, that was my rock and roll fantasy camp. So, you know, that, that to me, that was a fun, that was a great experience. You know, Those, speaking of that, at that very camp, I, I noticed Joe as well. Alita Ford was also at that camp, I believe. Alita's and, amazing. And I, she is. And I remember um, talking to Joe and he says, excuse me a second, because Alita was passing by and Joe fishes, he had a, a backpack or something and he fishes an envelope out of the backpack and he says Lita come here I knew you were going to be here and I brought something to show you he had taken photos in the late 70s in England I believe when the runaways were over there on a little 110 instamatic camera and he had saved his pictures and he brought those to show Lita so Joe was becoming a fan at that point circling back to his youth and it really I think he was unpacking memories as well so again to your point the artists get very moved and motivated by you know by these things and you know chris these artists usually tour different cities so they never see each other you know right. unlike the sports camps that you know those guys they play together they're they're in the cities for three days you know the bands never really meet up um so that's a great story and, and yeah and for him to see lita lita's usually in the next city when right. he comes there so i've seen that so much listen jeff beck I mean, how cool was that Jeff Beck at a camp? And then he, he did his thing, and then um, he jammed with everybody. He even came to watch them play that night, and he was going to get up there. He wanted to get up there with them, but he was so afraid to cause a ruckus at the hotel. But the next morning, my phone rings, and it's Jeff Beck. And I said, he said to me, David, what's going on today? I said, you know, I got Brian Wilson. He says, can you pick me up? Uh, I want to come watch him. I want to sit in the back. And there's Jeff Beck for four hours sitting in the back, watching Brian Wilson do rock and roll fantasy camp. And I was blown away. And, and, you know, it all leads to, and I, I love to talk about it because in the film, I asked Roger Daltrey the, the, the way, the way I got Roger to do the camp was I went, went to England and I had dinner with him one night and I said to him, Roger, you know, I'm doing this camp and would you do this? And we had just done a British rock symphony tour together and he didn't understand what, what it was. And then I finally said to him after two hours, I said, let me ask a question. Who would you want to jam with? If you had an opportunity or to meet, who would you want to meet? He says, you introduced me to Levon Helm of the band and I'll do your camp. I'll come to New York and do it. <laughs> and Levon was a friend of mine and because he had done the Ringo Starr, uh, my right. first tour. And I called up Levon and I asked Levon, would you come down and be, you know, meet Roger Dolce? I told him and he said, of course, damn man, David, I'll be there for you. And, you know, I mean, so even a guy like Roger Dolce, he has an idol. They all have idols. And yeah. uh, that to me was, you know, 
So that, that's a great point. I think Daltrey in the film comes off great. Again, the movie is called uh, Rock Camp. The movie you're getting great reviews. What's your What's your Rotten Tomato count now? It's we're up ninety two percent, and it, you know we're on Apple uh, starting February sixteenth, and uh, Amazon it will go VOD. And yeah, I, I'm really the, the reviews have been great. The reviews have been. But it's great. a charming movie, and I think Thank people, you. you know, Daltrey to me is one of the key guys in there because he, to me, he's one of the guys that sort of like when he did it, it almost like it gave the the approval like those stamps of approval have got to mean a lot right when somebody like that Dane's totally no roger turned it around i mean i owe him all the credit for it and you know it's when i got roger to do the camp and and you know he came and he did it and and but but the best thing was he did it and then he was supposed to go home and he turned to me and said one of these bands playing next and i said they're playing tomorrow night at the bottom line he says i want to jam with them and he got up there at the bottom line and jammed with every band it was unbelievable Believable, and the press that we got out of it, you know, from Fortune magazine, um, you know, Roger Dolce was my rock star counselor. He really helped me up. And I, but I got to tell you, more important than that, Roger is such an amazing person that at every can he, he introduced me to Brian Wilson. He introduced me to so many different rock stars. But I, before I did a camp, and he didn't. Not that he was. Not that he was going to be it. He would always call me up and ask me how it's going. He'd call me up afterwards. Were the people happy? He's such a people person that um, it was. He, when once he showed concern, that's when I knew that I was going to. Um, it really kept me motivated to do it because it's been a hard business, Chris. It's been well, a hard business. The other, again, there are great characters in the film. One of my favorites and just one of my favorite people as, as a musician and as a person is Rudy Sarzo, who's been one of your sort of real anchor guys, right, in terms of counselors. And Rudy is just, look, whether we're talking Quiet Riot or, you know, Ozzy, I mean, Rudy's musical pedigree speaks for itself. But as a counselor, you know, observing Rudy, I, to me, I always loved watching how seriously he took it and just how much he brought in terms of expertise and patience. Is he one for you that stands out? Oh, one of my favorites. You know, Rudy just came, he came to visit camp. And I really, you know, again, I was not a, a metal, um, I didn't follow Ozzy. I didn't follow a lot of metal bands. I'm, I'm more of a 60s, 70s guy. And when I got to see Rudy and his sensitivity and his caring, and I'll never forget, so many times I would call him up and I'd say, Rudy, I'm doing a camp. And he said, well, let me see if I can move my touring dates and everything. And I, I, I won't do it. You know, today, my first call is to Rudy Sarzo, is to Vinny, Vinny Apice. I, I called my regulars because uh, Teddy Andriotis, they have such compassion for these people. And I think they get, they get so much out of it. And everybody gets to be, be friendly with them. And they, you know, and, and I think for these rockers, it's been great too, because they're touring and they go to all these cities and, and their best friends are these, are these uh, campers, you know, always coming yeah. to see them. Yeah, and it, again, it definitely it allows them to sort of take a step back, I think, and look at their career because a lot of the fans who come in are very knowledgeable. They're not just you know good players, but they know the music, and they'll they'll ask these artists things that are they haven't had a chance to talk about for a long time, and it gives the artists, I think, a chance to reflect on their own life and career, right? Well, yeah, that that's true, and, and you know, I think what I loved about Rudy in the film, he says that. He says, you know, I found my passion uh, to play music again um, at rock camp. And I think, you know, Nancy Wilson, she said a great line she, when she did camp and we were, we were talking and she said, you know, David, when we start in the business, 
you know, we really have all this passion to get to those hit songs. And, and then once we make it, it becomes about the agents and the lawyers and the managers and all the, all that business stuff. And he says, the one thing about your camp is this pure music here. And I, I love that about camp. And, and I think that, that that's to me what it's about. You know, it's a place where you can just be pure music. I mean, how about, uh, I love the story and, and, and Nick Mason and so much stuff didn't make the film, but Nick Mason came to the camp and uh, I asked him to come for a few hours from Pink Floyd. And he doesn't, he didn't do it for the money. He did it because he loved what I was doing. And four days later, he's there. And he says to me, I never got to, I got, I met Mickey Dolenz. I got to play a monkey song. He got to play other people's songs. And, uh, and then he said, do you mind if I write a story about this in GQ? And he wrote a, a five page article about his experience at rock camp. So it, it works for both play. And that's why I've been able to be around for all these years is because it's a passion that I get from the, the rock stars um, equally enjoy it as much as, as the campers. And um, so that's what makes it fun. David, what's the best way for people to see the film today? Um, is so it on, t- today, on No, today they can see the film. It's um, they go to Rock uh, Rock Camp the movie, Rock Camp movie, Rock Camp the movie, um, and they can you know download the film and, and they can watch it. It's it's playing in a hundred movie theaters, but it's playing virtually, and so a lot of these arts theaters now that they can't be open. So um, like it's Angelica, New York, it's playing. But if you go to the website, Rock Camp. Uh, uh, Rock Camp, the movie. Or, it's a great. Uh, it's a. It's a great movie. I mean, I. You know, even having been there as many times as I had, I learned a lot about it. And the, again, the way it's edited, it's. It's. It, it, there's great stories that are obviously you focus in on with certain camps. It was hard. Characters. You know, Chris. It was. It's hard because there's so many stories. I can't tell you how many interviews. And you know, we had 25 years worth of, of material <laughs> that Doug had to go through, and um, we had three, four different editors. It. It was a lot of work. But in the end, I, I got to tell you, I, I was really, um, you know, they basically said, David's dad of the kitchen, let us bake the cake. And uh, so I did. And, and, and they, they did a great job. And, and like I said, I think today with the world, the way we are, it's even it's, it's such a great film to watch because it basically is lifting people's spirits. And, 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 and we need it in today's world. And, Absolutely. And the last thing I want to say about the film is, Chris, you know, you, you've been around all these rock stars. You've written books and how many and you watch all these stories about the films. It talks about the band. They climb to the top then they lose everything cover drugs and they get stolen by their management or whoever it is or their friends. And then they climb back up again. So every one of these films is a behind the music. Now, we used to joke when we were touring our Ringo, just put the name of the band in. This, this film is not that. This film will start with you start from the beginning and takes you right to the top. And you'll see the life-changing experiences that people go through. And um, Well, David, hold on one sec. We're going to take a quick commercial break. On that note, we'll hold that thought. I'm Chris Epting. My guest is David Fishoff, of course, of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Uh, stick with us in the moment. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball. 
coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at chrisepting.com. That's chris at chrisepting.com. Now, back to The Moment. Thank you for rejoining me with my guest today, David Fishoff, who created the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And there's a new movie based on the Fantasy Camp. David, what was the motivation for doing this at this time? Well, you know, Jeff Rowe um, was a friend of mine from many years ago, and he ran VH1, and he approached me. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things, because we had a TV series, Mark Burnett, and one of the things that prompted me to want to do this is, um, how many times do you go see, uh, watch a trailer? And you see the trailer, and then all of a sudden, you, you see the movie, and you're disappointed. Well, the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, I can only show a trailer as a commercial. And but the, the the movie, the camps are so much better than I can show in 30 seconds or a minute TV commercial to advertise the camp. And that was really the motivation for me to say, OK, Jeff, you can do this. Um, and but on, on certain conditions. And number one was I didn't want to be on the film. That's why I ended up taking five years, because I come from, you know, when, when I was producing Ringo's all-star band, you know, and I'd go to him and say, these people wanted to interview you. And he'd say, well, give it to Levon, give it to Joe, give it to everybody else. He was always pushing everybody. And so I, I, I didn't want to be in the film. I wanted it to be all about these rock stars, all about these campers, because, you know, what I get most out of rock camp is how people go through the life-changing experience. So, uh, but then everyone came back and said, David, you got to tell your story. So, you know, well, come on, you're, you're the architect of this, and I don't right. think it wouldn't be the same story because you're the driving passion. For people that don't know, David, your career has been interesting because you mentioned being a sports agent, but starting back in the early 80s, you really sort of formulated um, concept tours in a way where they hadn't been done before. I mean, you put together the first Happy Together tour with the Turtles and other artists who at that point were being viewed as being kind of vintage and retro. And that started a whole chain of these other sorts of tours. And that's still, that tour still goes on today. You put together the Monkees, you know, back together uh, in the late 80s, which again was a great relaunch and reintroduction of them. And you've referenced Ringo Starr's tours, which you spearheaded and put together that concept right yeah i put that together was my idea i went to ringo and he said i was just thinking the same thing um you know i was producing i came up with a you know first i did the happy together tours um and you know that was an idea i had because i took on the association as clients in 1983 i wanted to get in the music business from the sports business I was sharing office space with Gary Kerfis, who managed the Talking Heads and the Ramones. And I used to see those guys, you know, the, and Blondie show up to his office. And Shep Gordon was in the office. And he had uh, Alice Cooper and Teddy Pendergrass. And I said, boy, I want to get I want to get in this, the, the entertainment business. It looks exciting. Everyone has gold records on the wall. You know, here I was representing these ballplayers. And it was about show me the money, you know, negotiate their contracts. And that was it. 
So I got motivated to get in the entertainment business and I took on the association. And everyone said, what are you doing, David? You're taking on a band. I said, I want to be in rock and roll. And I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't really book them and it was hard to get booking. So I packaged them and I, I got the turtles and we did the first happy together tour with the, with spanking our gang and Gary Puck and the union gap. And I'll never forget. Um, I would we sold 15 shows. Um, William Morris uh, at the time sold 15 shows and I only allow the bands to do hits, you know, and you know, everybody wants to do a new song, but I'm a big believer that if you go to a show, <laughs> you want your mind totally, totally on that show. Every second. Every second. I, I can't stand going to a show and hearing a song of an artist, you know, selling their new album. Well, Ringo's tours are similar, right? Every artist similar. has got to have like three hits at least, right? Got, yeah. When I did those tours, they, uh, it was Peter Frampton. Uh, you know, 15 years, I, I would, I came up with, you know, I put together great bands and, um, and God David, bless how, them. how involved would you get in terms of working with Ringo? Were you driving that train? I mean, in terms of, of how those bands were put together, what was your role in casting those shows? Uh, I did it all. I mean, I, I, I did it all. I, I went out i put together the whole thing all the bands the first band um he brought joe walsh in when i when i went to concept he brought joe walsh in. he brought levon helm he brought the band yeah i put todd in and i yeah i went out and it, and i really used to interview all these people and go see them and and make sure that they you know they, they they knew what it was about i wanted to make sure that you know when by the time they got to rehearsal that they were prepared um and it was fun i mean i got to you know tour with these people meet some really iconic musicians and and it was so great to be in to, you know to be traveling i i toured that all that time um and got to be around these musicians and i was thinking about it last night all these stories that we would hear in the bus and and in the vans traveling that these musicians would ask Ringo about, and they were as excited to be with him as as um, as he was excited to be with them. David, I mentioned there have been things I've witnessed as a journalist at, at some of the rock camps. One thing in particular that I'll never, ever forget, and it was, I think of all this, the, the main counselors, he's one of my favorites, and it was Gene Simmons, it was in Las Vegas, and there were campers there who were obviously big Kiss fans. And there was one young guy, he must have been maybe his mid-20s, and he was handicapped. I mean, he had severe disabilities. He was in a wheelchair. He had a breathing apparatus, but it was important to him to be there. And I remember when Gene walked in, and of all, Gene picked up on that, that this guy really needed some extra attention. And Gene, to me, was amazing in how involved he got, the challenges he gave all the musicians, how to write a song, all this sort of thing. But he never took his eye off this young guy, and he paid him extra attention. And he said to the guy, he says, what are you here to do? And, and the kid says, well, I'm here to sing Love Gun. And Gene said to him, you know, that's, that's our hardest song to sing. There's a lot of really tough notes in that. You know, are, are you really going to do it? And the kid says, I'm going to do it. And Gene says, he looks at him, he says, you listen to me, you son of a bitch. We're doing this together. You're not leaving this camp until you hit that note. And that became the project. And when, the, when it came for the band to play, and uh, I think Alice Cooper was there, and I think John Five was, it was a really, it was a well-stocked camp. And it, they're all in the room picking up on the energy between Gene and this young guy. And Gene's in his face when it gets to that point of the song, and the kid hits the note. And then there's this hug between the two of them, and everyone's crying in the room. And it was really, I think it was life-changing for everybody. And to me, it was a testament of how seriously Gene Simmons takes that camp. People say a lot of things about Gene Simmons in the outside world, but you know what? Every time I've seen him involved with you at that camp, 
he's incredible and he's dedicated and he's plugged in and he's in their faces and he's trying to make a difference in their lives. You know, I'm glad you said that, Chris. I'm glad you said it because uh, I cannot tell you that, uh, how amazing that, how smart Gene Simmons is. I mean, people don't realize his IQ is so, is so much, so high and how brilliant he is. Now he came to camp and he is one of the, I always say he's one of the best, the best instructors because he mentors, he comes to camp and I, these bands, they want to do these songs. And he says, okay, I can sing the song with you, but give me a guitar. Let me show you how I wrote the song. Mm -hmm. Let me teach you. It's all about the song. And he takes the guitar and he shows the chords and he shows, I, I got the idea from the who here. I got right. this idea from Joe Walsh. <laughs> and, and he doesn't honest. mind. He doesn't mind. He's honest. Saying. He's honest. I stole the song. I just changed some chords. I added the lyrics. He is so honest. And then he makes these bands write songs. He's insisting you guys got to write a song. He challenges each one, every one of them. And I'll never forget these bands. He said, he'd say to me, David, he says, make sure they send me the songs. I want to hear them. And he actually wrote back to these kids and, and to these adults saying, hey, I would change it this way. I would change it that way. I'm telling you, it is, I'm so honored that he did the film. And because and he comes off incredible in the film i mean he's it's, wonderful he's really wonderful and you really get to see the gene simmons that um you know and the paul stanley's who they really really are deep inside and uh, that's what i love they come at the camp and everything goes away because they're in a room with fellow musicians they were there i mean gene said a line he said a line he said i wish i would have had this when i was younger i would have asked so many questions and i wish i would would have made a lot of less mistakes and in, in my career so no, I'm glad you said it, Chris, because no, I, if listen, I say it, I'm selling, but you're no, no, no. saying it. He's I was there so, as a fly on the wall. Gene you were Simmons. a fly on the wall, yeah. Jason was incredible to see his personality but and the to see what he's about. And, and care. Yeah. I mean, he, he came in with a game plan. and He had a game plan. And, and you know executed what? executed it, you know, very coach-like, yes. very mentor-like. And I said to my, my son was there. I said, he's like, he's like the Vince Lombardi of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, he's really, he's a, he's a tough guy. He's a taskmaster, guy. but... Yeah, but it was about results and he was up there. And I remember there was a kid in one of the bands must've been like 12 or 13 years old. One of these oddly <laughs> gifted kids that can get up and shred and do all these things. And even Gene with the kid was, was very funny and very uh, a great mentor, but was really pushing the kid as well. So, and Paul Stanley, similarly, now I, I'm a kiss fan. All right. And okay. unabashedly and, Paul Stanley, to me, when I saw him in L.A. at the camp, brought the same kind of drive and discipline. And if anybody had any question as to why KISS has thrived and survived the way they have, if you look at their work ethic and what they bring to the camp, it's that blue collar, you know, nose to the grindstone kind of attitude. And that's what it's about. There's no mystery as to why KISS is still as popular as they are when you watch those guys in that environment. You know, I wrote a book, Chris, about um, years ago. I wrote a book called Everything You Can Learn About Rock and Roll. Um, no, called Rock Your Business. I forgot the name of my book <laughs> because I'm just thinking I learned so much from Paul and Gene and every rocker who comes. But these these artists have kept their brands so big and over the years, better, bigger than most of corporate America. I mean, who, you know, Kodak went away. I can't tell you how many brands have gone away. But Kiss has kept their brand up and selling out arenas and, and, and around the world. Um, and I love when they come to camp and they challenge people. It's a, and I do, too. You know, I, I, I don't want camp to be a meet and greet. I, I, you know, you can get that at the you go to a Kiss concert and get a meet and greet and say right. hello, get a picture. That's not what I'm about. Uh, I want people to be challenged 
And I want them to walk away with an experience because if they're challenged, if you give them a layup, they're, they're not going to, they're going to walk away and say it was great. But if you challenge them that they got to write a song, you challenge them, they're going to perform on the, on the whiskey. You're going to challenge them. They're going to record with Eddie Kramer. You're going to give them a challenge to be in a band. They're going to walk away. And, and like, like what happens is 50% of our campers return because they love the challenge. We take them to such a high Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, I think the great thing about the the, the Gene and Paul and, and the Kiss guys is they stay away totally from drugs. They are businessmen. They're they're they are the smartest businessmen in the business. And um, but you know, they, they give value. They give I, value. I remember that, that New Year's Eve concert. I just got to tell you, I watched that New Year's Eve concert, and I got to tell you, <laughs> the Stones at Radio City was one of my favorite concerts. That that was probably one of my top five concerts. Really, they um. I, I, New Year's I, Eve in Dubai. There was another camp uh, in Vegas. I think it was uh, might have been Def Leppard, but Sebastian Bach was there as oh, well. Oh, he's great. And I remember he came into the camp and he had he had uh, bags, gift bags. And I said, "What do you have?" And he says, "Well, I was just down at the Kiss. There's a Kiss mini golf um, in in Vegas, which is great." And uh, he he's such a Kiss fan and just a rock and roll fan. He had been down there and he bought himself hundreds of dollars worth of kiss souvenirs and again when you see the artists displaying their own fanship i think that's really interesting and kind of charming to know what they're still into he's a kiss freak he loves he's a kiss, kiss. How, how about the time where he came to rock camp and he got to jam at, at the whiskey with uh, rob halford i mean he said that was his rock and roll fantasy listen i, I you know people listening they're gonna say wow this is a real love fest a love fest but it really is. You have to until camp. you but until you witness it. You right. can go, I don't care if you're a cynic. You can go in, but when you witness this firsthand, I, I defy anybody to not be won over by the motivation and the inspiration and the love, all the things that go on there. And you know, you mentioned Halford, and earlier we were talking about Rudy Sarzo and how maybe you weren't keyed into metal at first, but you've actually. Uh, I've been really impressed in how you've brought in the camp and there are plenty of different genres represented, but Halford, of course, that's a huge one. But for metal fans, uh, you've, you've spoiled them as well. You've had some great appearances by some real legends of metal. The metal guys are incredible because they love their fans and, 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 you know, Zach Wild. I mean, he's a guy, <laughs> he goes to camp. I, I remember him showing up one day. He's awesome. He, he, <laughs> he's, he's there. Camp starts at 10 o'clock. He's there at nine 30 setting up his gear with his, with his guy. And he stayed and he, and he stayed, he wouldn't go home. And then he came and he jammed with every band at the whiskey. He did. He was unbelievable. What an inspiration! And I think what I loved about him was that um, he he really got me into um, learning about. I, I never really enjoyed metal till I saw him give a, a clinic and uh-huh. how how quick his hands are. Um, oh, it's very artful. No, it, it, oh, it, it, it is so artful. And I and I'm a crazy. Now I love Priest and I love all <laughs> all these. Metal. And I tell you, the guy who blew me the most away, Dave Mustaine. I mean, here's a guy who came to camp and. He He's came great. also. He also came with his own, his own, um, you know, his own ideas what it was going to be like, and you see that in the film too, and yeah. how how he went and. And he's he great in the movie, that. by the way. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. And and how he and he showed people. He says, "Hey, take your phones out. I'm going to show you how to play this song." I'm. He really sincerely wanted to help people, and. Um, I thought he, I, I enjoyed him. You know, everyone said Dave Mustaine. You know, I can't believe he's going to do your camp and. 
what a brilliant, what a smart guy. And, and, you know, I, I thought he was incredible. So they, yes, I think they come to camp and I think they, you, you get to see a different person than their persona. I remember when I first realized or it became evident that the rock and roll fantasy camp had sort of transcended um, the, the original business model. Well, it was while I was watching The Simpsons, and they did an episode about Homer and the guys going to see Mick Jagger and Keith Richards at a fantasy camp. What was your involvement with that? Because they obviously they're 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 satirizing to a degree the idea, but it was still done. I thought with sort of a loving touch. But I thought that was brilliant. And I thought you've really arrived when The Simpsons not only do the concept, but they bring in they actually get Mick and Keith to voice their own parts. So that was a big thing for us, you know. Um, you know. I, we, I had a writer from Maxim Magazine come, um, and I called him 30 days after. I said, where's the article? He said, David, I'm not doing a story um, because this camp, these people are serious. They wanted me to make fun of it. Conan O'Brien came to the camp, and he said the same thing to me. He said, you know, because I wanted to maybe do his monologue. He said, I'm a guitar player. This is serious stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, the same thing with The Simpsons was great. And that came on because Howard Stern was interviewing Leslie West and Leslie West was talking about going to rock and roll fantasy camp. The producers of The Simpsons, and you, again, you see this in the film, were, mm. were listening to Howard Stern and they were looking for the last episode for the se that season. So um, they, they had a, a writer's meeting and they said, we're going to get... Uh, we do an episode of Homer going to rock and roll fantasy camp. So one of the guys raised his hands and his, his daughter was dating, um, was dating the son of um, oh, Brian Setzer. Mm -hmm. So they called Brian Setzer up and said, would you be in this? And he said, sure, I'll be in it. The next day, the Stones PR department called the Simpsons and said, you know, we're going on tour and we want to do, we'd love to see if you do an episode. And they called them and they said, hey, how about doing an episode of rock and roll fantasy camp? And, the, and Mick and Keith said, yes, I heard they had so much fun. And then they got Tom Petty yeah. and Tom Petty said, <laughs> Tom Petty said that he, he stayed up all night recording. He said his kids finally thought he was hip when he did that episode of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So funny. It was one, one of the great Simpsons episodes. Too. Yeah, one of the top really, ones. Really funny. And again, it served as sort of a marketing piece for. It was uh, brilliant. Yeah, really helped yeah. us a lot. Listen, Dave, we're going to take one more commercial break. I'm Chris Epting. Um, my guest is David Fishoff, uh, the brains and genius behind the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and the new film as well, which you ought to check out. This is The Moment, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? 
If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at ChrisEpting.com. That's Chris at ChrisEpting.com. Now, back to The Moment. Thank you and welcoming back my friend, guest today, David Fishoff, who created many things, including the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and there's a great new movie about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. David, what's it been like for you? I remember last January, um, pre-COVID, I came out to a camp in, in California. You had John Oates there, and yeah. uh, John was doing a songwriting clinic, and you actually had you invited me to, to host the Q&A, to moderate the Q&A with John, which yeah. was a lot of fun. And then a few weeks later, the world changed and um, these things couldn't go on. You've been doing, I think, a really inventive and creative job in terms of keeping everything going virtually. Talk about that a little bit and what people can experience today in, in a COVID situation. So, you know, what, what, that was the last camp we did with John Oates and, oh, wow. and, and, and they got to play um, live at the, um, oh, what's that great venue? We usually do the whiskey, but they weren't available that night. So we did the the place where um, oh West Weston owns it. Weston owns it. What's it called? Troubadour. Um, the Troubadour. Right. The Troubadour, and you got famous, to play live with John Oates. Troubadour, my favorite. Famous, yeah, what a great venue. So all of a sudden, you know, COVID hits, and you know, who knew what how long it's going to last? And for the last year, I've been thinking of a way to get Rock Camp online because you know, in order to expand your business. You know, the live business is great, but, you know, we got to find a way to globalize the business. And um, I wanted to do master classes. I want to do live lessons online because, you know, once they leave camp, I wanted to find a way to stay connected with my campers. So I always had the concept of doing something online. And in June, I decided that, well, why don't I just, you know, allow people to see the master classes that we do at camp. I mean, these are, these are the best ones. I mean, the best part of camp for the, for a lot of these rockers is the Q and a, you know, they jam and I always said to Roger Daltrey and I remember Joe Perry, I said to him, uh, you know, if you could have time, would you do a Q and a? And they said, no, no, I want to do the Q and a. So hmm. the Q and A's have been really the, 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 the fun part of camp amongst everything else. And I said, you know, I could do these on zoom. And I reached out to a bunch of rock stars and Mark Farner and, um, Phyllis Cavallari. And, and I asked them, would you guys do, um, a zoom masterclass and I'll invite campers to come on and they'll pay for it. And you buy a ticket. And, and I said, it's only 60 minutes. And, and we, I really want you to give these people the, the you know, mm-hmm. the information, let them all ask you questions. Well, these, cl- we've done 150. <laughs> I, 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 I got Brit lightning, the, um, great guitarist from Vixen who's really, she's been such an amazing host and a, and really a great associate to 
really work with me on these full time. And she's done a brilliant job making sure that every artist. Yeah, she's um, good. She feels they're comfortable making sure that they everyone gets their question. She's so concerned that all the, the, the customers and they're coming from all around the world. Um, and then we, we, we brought it up and Roger Daltrey is doing them. Uh, many of these artists fixed did it to give the money to their crew. The Scorpions, they did two of them. They also gave the money to the crew. Wow. So it's been a, been a great way for artists to, um, you know, feed their crews and pay them during to, to raise money. Um, and, and the classes have been incredible. Can you imagine we're going through COVID now and every night I'm listening to a masterclass from Eddie Kramer. Desmond Child, I mean, he was brilliant. He he did a three-part songwriting class where he, you know, people would send their songs in and he analyzed them. And, you know, my favorite with Desmond was the lady said, I found love from uh, Tennessee to Texas to the Alamo. And he said, lady, we lost the Alamo. You don't want to, <laughs> show, you know, but I'm telling you, or Alice Cooper. And, and it, so here's the great part. they They all stay on for two hours, an hour and a half, two hours. Cause like Alice said, I have nowhere to go. And they give, they're not selling a movie. They're not selling a record. They're not selling a gig. They're just giving over information and they've been great. And, and people should go to rockcamp.com and, and our website and they can see the classes. And I mean, you're going to get a chance to ask Roger Daltrey a question or to watch Roger Daltrey. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy the information these and a 15 year old uh, lady is coming on and asking advice to Roger. Um, and then, and then, and they're, well, yeah, we have Marty Friedman. Uh, Marty Friedman's doing it from Japan. He did it already. They're all doing them again. Sebastian Bach loved it so much. He said, I want to do a song. My daughter class. took the Holly Knight, so, uh, you know, songwriting masterclass. And it oh, was it was just great. Holly did a great job. And and uh, but but to see these people, I mean, Eddie Kramer is going to do a three part series. where you are going to send your song in. He's going to mix the song in front of everybody. And he's going to show you his brilliance, how he did it for Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles and Led wow. Zeppelin. And um, so. The passion, I, and that's it, Chris. It's really the passion that these artists have, and it's coming across now, and I think it's giving people hope that COVID's going to be over. I can't wait till this whole pandemic ends. I'm, I'm excited. My next camp I hope to put together will be the Scorpions. I'm a huge Scorpions fan. They're playing <laughs> Vegas, and as soon as they get to to Vegas and, they, and they, they're ready to roll, um, I'm going to roll a camp out for them. Great. I, yeah, I want to do another cheap trip camp. I did a a camp with Cheap Chick where the where the campers got to play Sergeant Peppers with them, and we had a, a, a violins, and we had Tony Franklin wrote a great arrangements. Uh, we did that at the Whiskey. Um, so I have so many camp ideas I want to do, and it's it's hard during COVID. It's hard for the, many of these musicians, but I'm well. But you but you've bridged it. Again, Bridget, I think you've yeah. done a really good job bridging it. And that's really all it's about at this point. It's just, you know, making sure you can get, you just ride it out. And I think obviously the artists have been there for you and the, the, the virtual camps are successful. So, you know. And it's been great for them. It's great for them. They get to see people. They get to talk to people. And, and you know, they miss it. Let me tell you something. I have artists, many of the artists, you know, they're walking around circles around their house. They need the stage as much as we need them. Yeah, exactly. David, I know you get asked this a lot. I mean, on your hit list of artists, if your your wish list, if you could have that you haven't had yet, what what is that list like today? If you could put it down today, who would be the rock and roll fantasy camp counselors that you would uh, love to host the most? Well, you know, I'm hoping that they see the film. 
And I'm hoping Jimmy Page sees the film. <laughs> I'm hoping Eric Clapton sees the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Bruce is in there. Ginger Baker's in there. Right. Yes, I, I'm hoping that many of these musicians, even the Green Day, Weezer, the younger musicians who... Well, I was going to say, are, at a certain point, you've yeah. got to go to that, right? I mean, just right. chronologically, that's the next tier. You know, I mean, it was funny. As we're speaking today, the, the next Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations came out. Yes, I saw and it's that. funny, just seeing like Foo Fighters on there, it's like, well, wait a minute, they have been around that long you know we you know to us of a certain age they still feel like kind of a new band after nirvana but they're not they've been around long enough to qualify for the hall whatever it is 25 years or something and so i guess at a certain point you you, you need to start looking right for that next age level coming up well you know I, I had jerry cantrell twice he was brilliant and and the stone temple pilots right uh, the, you know those guys i want to get younger musicians um, I, I get it. When they see the film and they see um, how life changing it is for the artists as well as to the campers, I think they'll come on and they'll and they'll do it. And, I'll, and even if I got to go to their concert tours in their cities, I will do these cans. But they have so much knowledge and the effect. I mean, okay, Slash does the camp ten, my tenth anniversary, and it, he doesn't even know this, but. To this day, he changed people's lives. There's a lady who was working at a, a brokerage company, and she told her boss that she had to take personal days off or sick days, and she came to Rock and Roll Fancy again. Now, she shows up, and her dream was to jam with Slash and to sing a song with him. She walks back into the office Monday morning, and her headline, she's on the front page of USA Today with, with her hair j- jumping in the air and, and, and this Slash jamming with her. And her boss calls her in and says, you know, we thought you took personal days because you were sick and you went to this rock and roll fantasy camp. She said, I'm resigning now. She says, I quit. I want to do my passion. And she went and became a music <laughs> manager. She started working at a music company and she became a manager. And, you know, Christmas, every year I get a card from her and she got married. She has two kids. She found her passion. Or, or, and then we had a, a woman who I, I brought to camp uh, who um, had, she, I, I contacted the Susan Coleman Foundation. I said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love to invite a soldier. I love to invite um, some, a cancer victim, some, a victim, someone who had cancer. And so I contacted the Susan Coleman Foundation. They sent the lady to come to camp. She wanted to sing. And Meatloaf, it was a camp with Meatloaf. And she walks away after experiencing camp. She writes a book called Rocking in the Pink. And she tells her experience about going to rock and roll fantasy camp and how life-changing it was for her and that she wants to be a singer. So I, I asked if she'll come in you know, a few years later to interview for the film. So she says, David, I'll, she comes, she does the interview. And then I asked her before um, she left, I said, let me ask you a question. When you leave camp, I've taken you to such a high, you go back home, isn't it depressing? It, you know, cause I know that even those <laughs> rock stars with the tours end, they get depressed, you know, right. they, they, they say, you sort of, miss the action, said, sure. They miss the action. She says, David, I took what I learned to your camp. I learned what, from these rock stars to believe in, in myself and to live with passion. I went to my law firm and I quit the law firm. And today I am the number one fiction writer on Amazon. And um, I took what I learned at the camp for these artists and what they believe and they live with their passion. And look what I became. So it, to me, that's the great news. That, that to me is what keeps me going every day. You know, um, that's amazing. I mean, I mean, for one it's thing. It's amazing. It's amazing yeah. stories. The power, it's not me, Chris. It has nothing well, to do with me. It has to do 
with the power of music. How many people have told me they've seen the film and they said, oh, David, I love the rock stars. I love you. I love it. But you know what really blows me away is how there's these two kids in the film on how their lives through the power of music, they, they autism, autism goes away. You know, I've seen yeah. music change, make people healthier. Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I will, I will challenge your dismissal of your effect in what's going on because you're certainly the ringleader and it's your idea. Something else I always noticed at the camps that I came away with thinking makes it really special is the access. It isn't like artists come in and leave. I mean, they linger and there are these little sessions that are not part of the program where it's just people sitting around, you know, chewing the rag, just talking. I remember being at one camp and Steve Vai, the guitar, great guitar player was, was one of the, the, premier attractions and he was done with this thing and he'd finished with everybody but there was somebody who had asked him a question and Vi went back and he says come here and I kind of followed them again and you're looking for a story he takes this young guy back by himself in the studio and he sat there and he gave him a little private clinic on a piece he was trying to play um, because it was just it was the thing to do he just you know felt that was how he was gonna make this guy better and, and the access the stories they get to hear you know getting stuff signed the pictures it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet and when you've got these <laughs> everybody you know if you look at my camp i went to visit them at home I, i've been to these campus homes they're 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 they have rooms that look like the hard rock cafes you know <laughs> <laughs> they, they love all that stuff um yeah and I, I think people blow it away jerry catchall walks in and he sits down and has lunch with everybody yeah so so these people put their they put their shoes on the same way we all do of course i mean paul stanley showed up to camp a few days beforehand um just to see how everyone's doing again it's nothing different it's them because they really are musicians and joe perry this is my favorite uh, he did a q a and he says to somebody um he asks him a question what do you do for a living the guy says oh i'm a doctor and then on weekends i play in a band and uh, with my you know i'm a guitarist and joe turns to him and says listen you're a guitarist first. You do that medical crap to buy, pay for your guitars. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm a musician first. A musician is a musician first. And yeah. I think that uh, they, you know, my brother, my brother's a rabbi and he's a drummer. And, and you know, he's the one that really introduced <laughs> me to all these bands because I was really the sports fan. And uh, he says, uh, I called him up. I said afterwards, I said, Joey, I said, um, you know, I told him the story about Joe Perry and he said, Hey, I'd give up the rabbit if I could be a full-time drummer. So, and then, you know, Chris, I, you know, I, I want to talk about, I just have to share the, the time I've had such amazing artists come. And one of my favorite was Ginger Baker. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember picking him up from the airport and I said to him, I said, Ginger, I said, I have two names in my house. One was God and one was Ginger Baker. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, well, my father was a rabbi and my brother, all he talked about was Ginger Baker because he was a drummer. And uh, that was really, that was great to have him there. And that was his last appearance before he passed away. Wow. Well, David, listen, you and I could go on a, a lot. Absolutely. And I love talking to you. I love hearing your stories uh, people. Again, the film is out now. Uh, rock camp. It's the movie. It's the rock and roll fantasy camp uh, brought to the big screen and the small screen if you want. And once again, people can check that out at which website. Go to rock camp movie com rock camp the movie works too either one and click it and you can watch it immediately and uh and to and take part in camps and, and workshops and masters. it's all there it's all at the website rockcamp.com and and chris uh, first of all i love your stories too and i guess you know i'm working the whole time during that camp and you're there just observing 
So I guess you can uh, you can tell more stories than I can. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's make a plan. I want to come back to the first live camp in Vegas with Scorpions. Let's make Done. that date right now. Done. And we'll hang out. And Hopefully we'll in October. We'll hang out and, and right. uh, tell it's you a story. Day, man. Let's plan on that. Okay, David, thank right. you so much for being my guest today. You're a man of many moments, and I appreciate you sharing so many of them. I'm Chris Epting. This has been uh, The Moment. Check out the movie uh, Rock Camp. It's wonderful, as is my friend David Fishoff. Thank you, David. Oh, the best, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.